Welcome to the OCD Bitch, the show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at the seminal and underrated prime-time soap opera of the early aughts. VOC, I am your host for the evening, Mike Gravano, here to tell you all about part two of episode 211 of the OCA and accompany with me, as always, is Ryan. You took a big pause there. Can you go through the intro real quick? Just like... Or welcome to the OCD. Welcome to the OCD, bitch. This is the show where you're taking the death episode of Ezra, the primetime super early arts, the OC. No, but stop before you say the OC. Oh. What do you think most people arts? would think that you're about to say? Primetime soap, seminal soap. What, what, I, don't, I don't know what it is. The seminal and underrated primetime soap opera of the early arts. What? Um, hmm. Is it Desperate Housewives? Everwood? Everwood. Desperate Housewives is a legit maybe. But not. Underrated, yeah, not underrated. No. So I think I, I do not think Desperate Housewives is underwatched or underrated. I do think the OC is. Have we gotten to like what else? One Tree Hill. Oh, that's what I was trying to think when you said Everwood. I when like, I said Everwood, I meant One Tree Hill. When I say Everwood, you, you say One Tree Hill. Everwood. What? Um, at this time when the OC was around, were you watching all shows like this? No, I pooed the OC. For the first couple seasons it was on, and then somebody sucked me into it. Because you're a cool-ass hipster, and not like not one of those, like, we give shit, like, oh, I hate hipsters. You were just the dopest, flyest, sweetest, raddest hipster. Doing too many kickflips. <laughs> Didn't have time. And that that's on a fingerboard? Yeah. Like one of those tiny skateboards? I a, yeah, I could not skateboard at all, but I could fingerboard like a motherfucker. You could not. I didn't know the ladies loved it. I, I, I've seen you skateboard, like, you know, footboard. I've seen you play Tony Hawk. You're awful. But no one fingerboards like one mm-hmm. Mike host of the OCD uh, I think I've saw one episode of One Tree Hill because I dated a girl for a week because high school and also underrated I think adults should also just date somebody for a week it's super important for oh, yeah. that week and then you let it go for sure it's amazing because uh, once you get to like date eight in a relationship you're like well this is probably my wife forever and she cut the cord before we could get there <laughs> Were you guys parachuting? Yeah, we were parachuting. So <laughs> I survived, yeah. but I fingerboarded my way down the mountain. Uh, but we, she got me to watch one episode. She said, do you like the OC? Uh, I think you'll love this show. And we watched one episode of One Tree Hill, and they were doing a scavenger hunt, and it was delightful. And I went, that was better than I thought, and I never watched it again for some reason. Did they uh, look directly at the camera, which means look directly at you, and ask for your help on the scavenger hunt? No. Why don't more shows do that? That's years not just for before, toddlers. Years before Dora the Explorer and the Lost City of Z. And <laughs> let us not forget Blue's Clues, please. Oh, the Blue's Clues. But that fucking... Okay, Dora's like, where is it? And it's sort of hidden. Steve was like, where is it? And it's right next to him. Look to the left, Steve. Is Steve something's wrong with Steve. Is that what we should Drugs. be doing, though? Uh, the uh, seminal and underrated soap opera of the early hots, Blue's, Blue's Clues. Clues. I would love Who's Clues at Blue's Clues, a pop filter podcast. I, uh, I, uh, I've I seen one episode of The West Wing mm-hmm. because of a girlfriend. Uh, I've seen... And it's just... It's not for me. Like, you know... All these liberals running around talking about liberal liberals. Uh, I saw, I've seen one episode of The Practice. Remember that? Barely. Is that Juliana Margulies? No, that's ER. This is uh, one of the Dylan McDermott, Dermot Moroni's. Dylan McDermott Moroni has been in so many fucking shows. And Laura Flynn Baker. That's who I meant when I said Juliana Margulies. Right. You just have this weird accent where it makes your actress name yeah, sound. Yeah, I'm from Ohio, so I say Laura Flynn Baker the right way. Boyle. Boyle. Mark, Baker Boyle. 
Laura Flynn Boyle. Baker Boyle, Tinker Spy. Was the practice, and Mark Lynn Baker was Cousin Larry from Perfect Strangers. Yes, we all know. We one all know of, what everybody's talking about. One of the seminal soap operas of the, <laughs> of the early, early <laughs> Uh, la- this is part two, Ryan. Last week, what did we cover? We covered mostly Marissa and Alex. We talked about them for like two and a half hours. Almost too long. Uh, they are probably about to get in a relationship. They're holding hands. They're holding hands. And then uh, a little teensy bit about Ryan and Lindsay and Lindsay's dad, Caleb. Caleb. And Lindsay's sister, Kirsten. And, and how, how that's Ryan all going to work. forced them all to have heart attacks. And how uh, it was basically like our first Game of Thrones. Yes. This was brothers and sisters fucking dogs and cats Dicks. fucking. <laughs> Everybody's Bill Murray. It's chaos. But tonight, we're going to dig into the comic book crew, Seth, Summer, and Zach, and then the uh, running from the feds crew, that is Max, Sandy, and Rebecca. I just, the whole time while I was watching this episode with you holding hands, and then also uh, when we're talking about it tonight, I'm just going to hope. That Sandy at some point decides, you know what, Rebecca, I can't do this. I'm going to go with the comic book crew. And then now it's fucking Zach and Summer and Seth and Sandy, and they're going to make a comic book. And the riveting subplot of Max and Rebecca talking for the first time in 20 years. Just goes away. Uh, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to dive in to Atomic County. Here we go! Ryan... They are working on this comic book that has yet to be named Atomic County. This is Sandy and Rebecca and Max. This is Sandy, Rebecca, and Max. What is Summer's role in this comic? I know Seth is the illustrator. Zach is the sounding board slash like cheerleader, glad hander. Uh huh. What is and Summer like Zach? Uh, Summer? Nope. The other one. Seth is freaking out. He's like, Summer and I are going to be working so close together. We're all working on this comic book. How, what do I do? What the fuck is her role here? Well, and that that's handled in classic sitcom fashion, where Seth goes like, look, we can't work together because if we work together, everything's going to go bad. Pause, pause. Zach runs in and said, hey, you guys are going to work together. We're going to work together all day because, so. Is that, I think, that's called like a Gilligan cut, I think? Yeah, your classic Gil. Where like a Gilligan cut is like a character says like, and I will never go to Nebraska. Cut Smash to cut to Nebraska. Nebraska. And Jinx, you can't talk the rest of the show. Uh, cool hosting, bro. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. You can talk again. Uh, Seth has this rundown with Ryan Atwood. Then I say Ryan Atwood so people don't get confused that you're in the show. Mm-hmm. That's clear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that like long nights, hard work, high stress, super sexy. And then says the same speech to Summer. And well, Seth is think- thinking that like that star wars speech that ryan is giving that he's repeating is going so So well well. that i might as well start repeating all the things that i say and ryan makes fun of him for that speech summer doesn't summer's like oh man you might be right and then zach runs in and says uh my dad has an intern whose cousin works at wildstorm and they pitched it and loved it and I, I like seth's reaction which is pretty unseth the way we've built seth up is what the fuck did you do why would you do that there's not a story yet and also zach you're not concerned enough about my tiny little high school bubble like yeah. you are not taking into consideration all of my small town feelings when you go and like give us awesome potential careers yes. mike you said you said uh, i'm sorry you said Weird style, what, what, wine storm. Wild storm. What the fuck is that? Wild storm is not one of the big two. When I say the big two, I do mean DC and Boom Comics. 
uh, the biggest comic book publishers. Wildstorm was big in the 90s. I don't know if it was still big in the 2004, but uh, what was that fucker's name? He had two guns. He had a red mask that he refused to tuck in like the rest of the superheroes. Uh, are you talking about the... Gambler. The guy from Youngblood? Youngblood, yeah. The guy, Grifter. Grifter. Gr- Youngblood. Grifter. Was, was not part of Wildstorm. No? Uh, why don't you ask me my question? Ryan, what the fuck is Weinstein's Wildstorm? <laughs> oh, is that what you want me to answer? No. First, you don't like showering alone. So, um, Wildstorm, when all of the, uh, in the early 90s, when everybody uh, left Marvel and went to Image, they wanted, they were so scared of Marvel, or like they hated Marvel so much that they thought that Image might become too big. So they each came up with their own tiny companies under image top cow top cow for instance was i believe mark silvestri dark horse dark horse is a different company altogether <laughs> um rob liefeld who did young blood i think was extreme studios sure and jim lee was wildstorm and you could tell because jim lee and wills portasio it's been a while since we've thought Man, about this stuff your nose is bleeding and i'm <laughs> impressed i uh, came up with wild cats and storm watch and so if you put them together, it's Cat's Watch. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's watch some Which is basically cats. what the internet is. Um, and so like at that point, it was not as hip as it was 10 years before that, but still pretty big time for Zack and Seth. Okay. Nobody cares but me, but this is important. What the fuck is Grifter and Youngblood from then? Grifter is on Youngblood. Youngblood, Youngblood is Rob Liefeld from Extreme, Extreme Studios. Okay. This is all Jim Lee shit. <sighs> okay. This is important. These are our bona fides. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about it on air. This is why people like podcasting. Behind the curtain. I'm not going to have like a fucking box behind me full of bona fides and not bring them out and show everyone. Yeah. You're a savage dragon. It's just how you is. That was Eric Larson. Shit. And that was Image. Nailed it. So, Zach pitched that. And then looks at Seth, looks at Summer. It feels like he wrote this and says, Cohen, you gotta nail Summer. Which also, Ryan, means... Put him on a cross. Okay. Put Summer on a cross and fuck her... They loved. Is that I one guess of those Bible songs. Yeah, man, the evangelicals get wild. Our God is an awesome God. Put him on a cross and fuck him. Um, there's there's a couple things going on. One, I really like the fact that Zach doesn't do that thing that uh, we and everyone I've ever known does, where it's like talk about a project and like, but it's fun to talk about, and then that's it, and freaks out the minute you. Move. The next day after them talking about the project. Zach is like networking and he has found a connection and like now it's pitch time. I'm impressed with Seth. They talk about a project and Seth actually starts drawing. That's impressive. Right. That's enough work right there. Now we can all quit the project. Zach is the opposite problem of everybody we've ever met. Uh, Too fast, bro. Like this is too much. What the fuck are you doing? Zach runs in and Zach no longer has a human face. I'm not going to say it's a robot, but like it's so happy and positive that like I would say it's not human anymore. uh, Do you... Remember in DC Comics, not one of the biggest comic companies we just were talking about, uh, Joker removed his face and stapled it back on in a even more permanent smile? That is Zach's face at this point. And I started thinking, when Zach hops on the couch to ignore Summer and only talk to Seth, and Gilligan like, cut every single thing that Seth said... Summer's face out of the way. Is, Seth, or is Zach, at this point, a bit of an Anton Chigurh? <laughs> is he no longer a human? He is death. But just like uh, this drama tornado that rolls in and ruins everything around him when he says you gotta nail summer and smirks at he's like you guys are gonna be spending so much time together i do think he wants a three-way 
Like, he is so happy about them doing this. Does, does he want to thruple up? He wants to thruple up because he realizes he's like, well, I like parts of Summer. I like parts of Seth. What if we all get our bits? Just become a giant... Uh, Triangle? Aurora Borealis. The snake. Three snakes eating each other out. Was that it? I think I nailed it. <laughs> Was it just that like snakes love other snakes' vaginas so much that yes. created the Aurora Borealis? And then that's why it's a beautiful light in the sky. That's what the Native American myth says. The Northern Lights, or as we call it, <laughs> snakes 69ing three times. That math is hard, so we call it Aurora Borealis. But yeah, uh, and then Zach sort of like disappears and will bounce in every once in a while throughout this episode. It'll be like, well, okay, it was weird, but I think we're calm now. And then Zach will Kool-Aid man in and be like, watch you guys fuck <laughs> for my pleasure. I'm a politician, son. I got to get this in early. So uh, why does, okay, so they decided they need a posing sesh. So Seth goes to Summer's house. Uh, she's in a robe and he goes like, what, how am I supposed to draw this? And then she takes the robe off and... How is he supposed to draw right now, Ryan? Summer has been giving complete costume control, which just means, like, I thought what that meant was, like, look at Seth's drawings and be like, I don't like that, I do like that. No mask, smaller boobs. Right. Like she did last like, episode. Like she Perfect did last costume episode. control. But what she thinks it means is uh, she's going to design and bedazzle <laughs> her own costume because... She didn't design, She went to Condom Revolution. The problem with the Wonder Woman thing that I did at Thanksgiving was that that was created by a different person. Mm-hmm. That's why that went wrong or right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put on... I'm going to make my own... What's her name? Vixen? I don't know. The Vixen costume. Uh, and it's not a great costume. Right? No. It's it, just... It's covered in pink sequins, pink sequins. And then there's a choker with tiny locks on it. Yeah. It really bagels. does look like shitty. Not even Condom Revolution. She went to Fredericks of Hollywood, bought the cheapest stuff they had in their used bin. And this is not like, oh, five was shitty for fashion. This is like, eh, it looks bad, Summer. Come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think she's she's freaking out because Seth is not responding. And she thinks it's because it's bad. But what but, we know, what, what me and you know, is that uh, Seth just comes for like 12 minutes. <laughs> By not responding, it's he hides his entire crotch and face and I guess everything in between, with his sketch notebook, and just stares straight at the ground for a while. A lot of times, mostly in westerns, um, the big bad guy will come in and like uh, pull a gun on like the coward, and then it'll like the camera will pan down, and there'll be a puddle of urine. Yeah, this happened there, but it was just cum. And then like, cum just was like, just leaking out of his pants. Uh, in Land Before Time, when they're like stuck in the tar at the end and trying to claw, that's what his feet were in his own <laughs> cum puddle. And he was nervous because cum sand. You just you start to sink in, and the more you I'm, fight it, the I'm more you sink. I'm not going to be a cum fossil. This is bullshit. And then uh, he was fine, but then he grabbed uh, Princess Sparkles, like, her reins, yes. and then she starts coming in. And that hair stuck in cum, that's not good for anybody. That becomes weapons. Suddenly, that little horse's hair is just a bunch of mauls. If you've got M-A-U-L-S. hair, if you've got hair, you can pick glitter or cum. You cannot have both. That's it. That's chaos. Which, what would you pick? I'm gonna pick what, 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 what would you pick? Mark Summers was a pervert. Hey guys, welcome back to What Would You Pick? I'm Mark Summers. Thanks for watching Nickelodeon. What do you want in your hair? Glitter or cum? <laughs> uh, only entirely because of cum puddles. We have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about this pose sesh. Hold on. What is drawing but marking? What is her name? Summers. He's marking Summers. All right, go ahead. When we come back, more of that. Ryan. Why does Summer need to pose in costume? Seth already has a notebook full Seth. of Seth. Wait. <laughs> Which is probably true. 
<laughs> oh, he drew that a lot. On every page of a summer drawing is a little bit of Zev. <laughs> Come puddles. Jism. <laughs> we nailed it. <laughs> so it is, because at any point, either of them could have said, is this, they're still hiding this from Zach that he has too many poses? Yeah, I mean, I think what they're doing is they're making Alex and Marissa look like uh, very mature adults <laughs> in a mature relationship because none of this, you're right, none of this is necessary. And they both know it. And still, Seth puts the sketchbook down and says, let me show you how to do it by wrapping my body around your right. body as if uh, we are in every single romantic comedy that has ever existed. As she goes, less drooling, more drawing, which is very clever, I guess. Uh, I, I always say uh, less drooling, more juuling. Like, like vaping? Yeah, get those vapes going. I'm not hip. Is drooling and vaping the same thing? I don't know. I think oh, so. Uh, he's he's trying to draw, and his his tongue is just fully in his cheek, poking it out like he's got a popsicle stick in it. Uh, and then he's like, hold your arts akimbo? Mm-hmm. And she goes, akim what? Akimbo, doesn't that just mean like wacky inflatable tube man? No. <laughs> I know that's what you think all words mean, but... Uh, <laughs> No, I think Akimbo is like uh, hands on hips, looking sassy. Okay, well he should say that. Or a martial art. Let me let me look it up. And then he decides. So he poses her there, and then while he's up, she sees the face he drew, which was very quick. And she goes, "Oh my god!" And she starts looking at it, and she's like, "I can't draw at all." And then he Carl Weathers. It's all in the hips. How to draw with her. If you're teaching somebody to draw, I don't think you need to stand right behind them and shimmy back and forth. Oh, no. There's no reason for any of this. And you know, his little teen peen is just rubbing up against. The other thing that they're doing here here is that they're, uh, back in the day when Josh Schwartz was growing up, it was, uh, play a song for me. Like, if you can play an Uh instrument, then girls will fall all over you. But Josh Schwartz can't do that. So what he's like, what he's doing is like, Draw a comic for me, and that is equal to writing a rock song and being a rock star. That's what I've said forever. <laughs> Isn't this the same? Uh, I do think they both realize how wrong this is because their noses touch, uh, as we talked about a little last episode. Their noses touch, and then they do back and forth. They shoot boogers from one nose to the other. Which is so hot. And then they just like they, they do think, oh, this is wrong. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes rabbit. He choked... And is this more mom spaghetti? <laughs> it is more mom spaghetti. And Seth starts to run, and he's like, "I I can do the rest from memory." I I I, it, which just means he's gonna jo. And she says in a very Zach like fashion, but more on purpose, says, "Good, because this costume is starting to ride me." Come on, they just want a bone. This costume is starting to ride me, unlike somebody else. I would like to ride me through Princess sexual intercourse. Sparkle. And then he says, I'll come back for Princess Sparkle, not I will take this tiny inanimate object home and draw it. Mm-hmm. I will come back. Uh, and they avoid each other for a while. They avoid talking. And when they finally talk, they're like, look, we want to rail in the only way two 16-year-olds who used to date and now don't date at all but want to be together again want to rail. Which is, it is good. I don't believe that they will separate. I don't believe that they're going to spend time apart. But... It is smart in saying that, like, the OC sort of makes it seem like no one can ever get over anyone. Right. Uh, It's almost like, and I know we're just talking about Seth and Summer right now, but, like, 22 years and you still won't get over people. That's what this episode is sort of saying. Mm. Um, You need to spend time apart and then you will uh, grow up a little bit and then you will be over it. If you are constantly in the face of the other person, you probably are just going to want to bone them or nail them to a cross or rail them. I buy that. 
I do think 22 years is enough time that you don't want to fuck that person anymore. Uh, Plus, that means they're old as shit. <laughs> ew. Uh, I never age, but they do. I do think every, at no matter what your age, I I, th- I guess it's valiant to want to be friends with your exes, but to the detriment. Oh, another comic company. Huh? Another comic company. Valiant? Mm-hmm. That's, nailed it. Is that Blood, not Bloodsport, Blood Eyes? Blood Eyes. Uh, <laughs> Vin Diesel, Blood Eyes. That. It isn't mature to be friends with your exes to the detriment of everything else in your life. And you fucking need time apart to yeah. actually make that work. And, like, Marissa, with all of her stupidity, is actually smart. Smarter than Zach in this episode. Because Marissa, based on what the OC has taught us, it makes more sense for her to raise an eyebrow at Alex talking about Seth uh-huh. than for Zach just to assume that Seth and Summer are over each other. Like, you two should no share a hotel room. I gotta go be with my dad. <laughs> And his dad's like one of those white hat, cowboy hat, uh, like guns in the air. His name is Tex. Yeah. Um, always just throwing poker cards at you. Oh, Any he, thinks, up, bitches. he thinks he's Gambit. He is no Gambit. Um, nobody, is o- never, nobody is ever over anyone. Nobody's never, 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 no one. Uh, also, Marissa Smart, because she hasn't seen Ryan in months. So Is that what you want? The ne- oh, is that God, why she's I smart? Love that. <laughs> you never want to see Orion for months. The next time they see each other, I'm sure there will be no chemistry at all in some sort of mall. So they're saying, and by they, I mean Summer and Seth, yes, we want to rail. Instead of doing that or breaking up, this comic is now the most important thing in everybody's life. Let's never actually be near each other. And then Zach, as you said, Kool-Aid man's his way into the room and goes, we're going to San Diego. They want to meet y'all tomorrow. Because he is his father's son. And I do remember the time that Summer put on a Wonder Woman costume, and that never happened again. Um, I'm also remembering a time where, like, Seth and Summer were not going to click. It was not going to work. And then they took a road trip to around, like, the San Diego area. Like, no. south Surely of the O.C. Not. The border. S- south by of- south of the border, I mean right below Dana Point. Um, and now it's all happening again, Mike? But quite naturally, there's no way they're going to share toast, right? Because if they're reading papers and share toast without talking, Zach's going to kill himself. And you got to love Zach because he was right to be upset at the beginning of this season. Uh-huh. There was like weird shit only on Seth's side about what's going on. But now that it's on Seth and Summer's side, he uh, is he has no idea, but he's just becoming a pimp. He is just <laughs> putting them together as fast as he can. I don't know if he's becoming a... Are you, have you caught up with Netflix's glow? I have. Uh Bash. I watched the first episode of the first season. So you're caught up. Uh-huh. Uh, Bash is now married to Britannica mm-hmm. for various reasons. And at a certain point, she is trying to get him sexually interested in her again. So she's made somebody look like they're seducing him. Are we that, back to the thruple thing? Thinking, Well, thinking Bash will get jealous and kick the guy out, kick his ass in the rail. Uh, and instead, Bash is like, well, let's the three of us fuck. I think Zach is just Bash ahead of his game. You really think that? I really think that. They got the same weird big hair. Bash is just cooling up. So when Summer is finally... Summer finally asked the question that I asked you earlier. What's Wild Storm? Zach's like, this baby! The three of us together! And his all of his clothes fly off. And both of them are just impressed and be like, that's a new superpower. <laughs> uh, we do have to... That That's how this ends. Zach's going like, we're going to San Diego and fucking. Yeah, I think that's sort of it, though. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's meet Rebecca. Ryan, let's talk about the White Knight of the O.C. 
Sandy Eyebrows Cohen himself. The white elephant in the room. Christmas present switch elephant. swap. It's going to be bad. Nobody likes it, but everybody's like, won't it be fun? You got a head of lettuce. I once gave a girl a head of lettuce. She didn't like it. I once gave a girl a head, and she gave me lettuce. <laughs> so I think she did like did it. You, is lettuce mean money? Are you a gigolo? No. Like some just, sort of deuce to piccolo? It was, a, it was just like a handful of lettuce. Dude, uh, dude, uh. <laughs> Rebecca, this is the we didn't see Rebecca last time, right? She's just like, "Hi, Sandy." So I guess we saw her. <laughs> she said it from around the corner. Hi, Sandy. And Sandy was like, "Oh, who the fuck was that?" No, we had the big reveal at the end where Max came in, and Sandy's like, "I'm sorry, she's dead." And Max is like, "Hold on, dead, 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 dead." I asked her to uh, wait outside for until this moment, but now we see Rebecca. Sandy's on the phone with. Somebody trying to play it cool with Kirsten. And then we cut to Rebecca on a payphone on the pier everybody hangs out with. <laughs> There's a big line. There's like 13 people saying like, <laughs> like why won't this person plot get lines to move along? <laughs> why is this pier uh, payphone so popular? It's the one payphone left in Orange County in 2004. Uh, he's high and she's like, do you want a coffee? No, 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 no. She's like, you should tell Kirsten I'm around and still alive. It's insane to me that, like, the first time I watched this, I only thought that Rebecca was the villain because she comes in and fucks up the marriage. She's not. She is a nonstop tour de force of, please don't ruin your life, you fucking moron. Tell your wife now. That is just the chant and the band she has behind her. And a lot of the time, she she just assumes that, like, Sandy is doing the right thing. And he'll be like, no, no I'm not at all. Ooh, why would you think that? Uh, he tells her, and I guess himself, that he's not telling Kiki because it could make her culpable. He doesn't want her to know he's helping harbor a fugitive. But then they keep talking, and she's like, oh, man, you have two kids, which is... I know different people have said Ryan is also a son. Her saying it so casually made me fucking choke up. It's adorable. And he goes, certainly you have gotten around, I guess is what his question is. And she's like, no, you're my last. It's so funny that you ask me that, uh, like who I'm married to now and how many kids I have. Because actually, I have spent the last 22 years harboring, Newport harboring a crush on you. If I'm you did my harbor, your heart. She... What the rest of pop culture has taught me is that fugitives only go into have small towns arms. and fuck uh-huh. and have one arms. But she has been on the lam, not, can't contact anybody, never a fuck she may meet. <laughs> Which is insane. What is her life? Just going from logging camp to logging camp? Yeah, and I mean, even though that uh, she is a poor because I feel like fugitives are all poor, right? Yeah, nobody's a rich fugitive. She's still ziplining from place to place. She's still getting place to places in a way more fun, fast fashion than the rest of the country. And the rest of the country will catch up with their fast fashion. It's great, and then it disappears for a month. Right. Not for a month, in a month. She, Yeah, I don't know what her life is like. And I only assume it's uh, like poorly made cabins in the woods. Right, mm-hmm. like, uh, like where you would become a Unabomber, Leaned twos. Uh huh. Yeah, like a, a ton of like uh, those shanty towns that oh, would happen yeah. during the Depression. But too, that's too many people. She's mostly hanging out with Ben Foster and his daughter. <laughs> she is trying to leave no trace. Man, I mean, what a good reference. 
It's such a good movie. I, actually, I'm sort of upset at you because uh, every single person listening to this was like, oh, man, leave no trace. And then you said it, and they're like, no shit, Mike. We all know about the fucking Ben Foster movie, we Leave No Trace. We all love Ben Foster. Do you mean we've been watching him since Flash Forward, that Saturday morning TV show? Half the country is Ben Foster fans, so they've seen it. And the other half is just uh, tree movie fans. Oh, yeah. And so they, it's the best tree movie. Leave No Trees. <laughs> I think it's what people are saying. Uh, it all comes to light. Sandy's like, "We got you're a fugitive. You're a monster, but I'll save you because I still want a bone. Uh, Rebecca never showed up the eco-terrorist night. Right. The night it all went down that Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think, hit every nuclear operator with a bat covered in barbed wire in the face while laughing. She just didn't show up. So we have talked about how uh, Rebecca is smart and right in most conversations. Uh And then we find out she's a fucking moron. Well, And Jeffrey Dean Morgan is already in jail. What's he going to go to do? Double jail? Double jail. Oh, don't go to super sloppy double jail. I don't want to hold against her that at 19, she's a fucking moron. We all are. But uh, how about at like 76? Continue for those 22 years, between 19 and 76, she's continued to remain a fucking moron. And her basically, she said she ran that night because snitches get stitches. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm not selling out my friends. But your, your friends killed a bunch of people and mm. lit a nuclear power plant on fire? And are in jail for life. And are already in jail, you dumb dumb. Fuck, man. She's being such a dumb-dumb. Your cheap-ass lollipop dentist give out? And then Max really throws on the guilt because Rebecca's like, you know what? This was all a mistake. We should let Sandy get back to his family. And Max is like, we were his family before that family. Oh, yeah. No. He waited till the perfect time to pull that line out. I feel like Max' last episode was a dear heart, and this episode is a prick. And then it was crazy because he said that line, and you would think that that's the most he's capable of. And then he goes and waters a flower in such a way where it grows to its biggest possible size. And so then we watch Max Bloom create Max Bloom. So Sandy takes all of this emotion and goes to Kirsten and just comes clean, right? Oh, 100%. He says, like, hey, I will not just answer whatever specific question you have for me in the vaguest way possible. I will tell you everything you need to know. Uh, while Kirsten's like, I can't believe you're hanging out with the dying man whose daughter is dead. It's just weeping and empathizing for him. And he's like, what if I told you? And all the audience is like, yes, please, please just tell her that he wants me to clear Rebecca's name. Oh, that'd be great. You should do that. That's incredible. And now we she's have an, dead. It's perfect. We have an opening. And Sandy takes that opening by saying, please, commercial, commercial, please come, please, please, please. And then it says nothing. He's a chump. And then we also find out that apparently the hotel that she was just at is probably the fucking Mermaid Hotel Luke and Julie were fucking at. Probably uh, the same room. Yeah, the same exact room. She's at like, the same time. She's like, I smell <laughs> monsters. It smells like burning bikes, bicycles. <laughs> uh, so she's sleeping in his beach bungalow office now. And she says to him, I know I said I didn't want your help. But I kind of did. And he's like, I kind of knew that. Flirting hardest. There's a bunch of teenagers on this show. But it's the hardest flirting we've had in years. Yeah. Before that, uh, Max is like, Sandy, you have to help her. Like, we're, we were the family before your family. And Rebecca's like, well, no, we can't ask him to do that. Huh? Huh? Can we? I thought huh? she meant it. Huh? You didn't think she meant it? Her eyebrows reached above her head. Above, like Alex? It was like four feet above her head. And then he, she finally does, and she's like, it's crazy that you're helping me, and I love it, and that I'm glad you're 
my lawyer. But if I could also ask one more thing, and this is crazy, um, will you hang out with me all night and uh, let's smoke a bunch of weed and, and make drink a bunch of tequila and make apple bongs? And he's like, tell your wife, <laughs> you got to tell your wife. And he keeps saying it's for Kiki's sake that he's not telling her. Right. And then he leaves this voicemail, and I don't know, he doesn't know that Caleb had a heart attack. Okay, wait, hold on. Now he's like a Kryptonian? <laughs> yeah, Caleb the Kryptonian had a heart attack. E-I-E-I-O? E-I-E-I-O. With a <laughs> and his, his fucking voicemail is the slimiest slime that's ever slimed. Hey, baby, sorry I missed you. I-, I was hoping you'd be there, but I guess you're too busy doing something more important than me. But I guess my fingers were too crossed nope. to uh, let that happen. And then it's yet another late night at the office Rebecca's sleeping at. I don't even know what the fuck he's doing, making those weird harassment phone calls to a single other lawyer. What, where Sandy is? Yeah. Where, where Sandy is, is um, he's at home. Because Kirsten calls the house, Seth answers. Oh, and, oh yeah. Uh, Kirsten says, "Like, hey, can I talk to your dad?" And he's like, "Yeah, let me go look for him." Uh, takes like a uh, a foot run around his room, says, "Hey, dad, where are you?" <laughs> and then says, "Oh, I can't find him." And that's a bummer because Sandy apparently was inches away from the door. Uh-huh. The second that he hangs up, Sandy busts in and says, "Like, well, what's up? How we doing? Are you ready for dinner?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, mom's on her way home." Uh, what Kirsten had said to Seth on that phone call was, don't tell your dad. I'm going to his office. I'm going to spruce it up a little. She said she's going to spruce goose it. Which, she's going to give it the spruce goose. Which is not just the plane from Tailspin. It's a way to decorate an office with lots of goose. And then I, I wanted Seth to tell Sandy so we could watch Sandy panic for oh, yeah, three no, and a half great. minutes. He was just like falling over, right? Yeah. But the show did it in such a way where like, it kind of is Seth's fault. Yes. If he had have just gone out. No. Kier- Kirsten was close enough to his office. What could Sandy have done at that point? Don't do that. <laughs> oh, that there. would have worked. There's no reason you shouldn't go there, but don't go there. You know, Rebecca's dead and her body's buried in the office. In my office. Uh, but even- then when you think about it, Sandy put Rebecca in the only place that Kirsten would know about. That's true. Like, Stay at that Stay at the Fleabag Motel. Hey, Fleabag's Sa- a great show. Sandy, Stay in the hotel. I'm going to come home and I'm going to make dinner, but before that, I'm going to go spruce up every single Fleabag Motel room. That's probably not going to happen, Mike. Talking about dinner, uh, the night before this happened, Sandy cooked a eight-course meal for her, and it was noticeable. And I've done that move of, I fucked up and you don't know it, honey, so I'm going to shower with you with things. Well, I didn't know it until I got showered with things. And now I know for a fact that you fucked up. Who did you fuck? <laughs> Who the fuck did you fuck? Which is what I say anytime anybody from Santa to my wife gives me a gift. Don't fucking lie. Like, they're two different people. You married Santa. Uh, and the fact that the, each course of the eight courses is a spruced goose, like, you just really spruced that goose up, like, that's you, obviously you fucked up. He knows exactly what he's doing. So Kiki opens the office. Looks like lovingly at a pile of manila folders. Yeah. Oh, he's working. I can tell from the folders. She kicks the door open because she's got like a fern in one hand and a keg of mellow yellow in the other. And then she hears a voice that's just like, Sandy, is that you? She's like, wait, that's my line. And she just goes, Rebecca? <laughs> she knows instantly. Has she seen a picture, do you think? I... 
Has she seen Sandy's dreams? She's seen Sandy's uh, descriptions to Seth that Seth then had to draw under duress of Rebecca. Just her in a mask with junk in the trunk? <laughs> yep. Do not put junk in that trunk. It's 2004. It's not cool yet. And that, I guess, is the saga of Rebecca and Sandy. I recently, for a different show, watched the film Dirty Dancing, and I was not a fan of it. And so I went to uh, the uh, my favorite critic, Roger, Roger Ebert, Ebert, to see what he said about it. And this is his paragraph after he's talking about how Jerry Orbach thinks that Swayze... Wait, was it Jerry Orbach who said it? That said that Patrick Swayze is Roger Ebert? Was it Bach or was it Jerry? Oh, I get it. It was Brahms. Um, of course, Swayze is not the father. There is no reason for Orbach to think so except for the requirements of the movie's idiot plot, which obligates everyone to say exactly the wrong thing at the wrong time in order to protect the idiocy of his mistake. <laughs> this is the Sandy and Rebecca plot line. Uh-huh. It's just dumb fucking bullshit. Acting in a way we've never seen Sandy or Rebecca act because we've never seen Rebecca act. You know for a fact what you should do. And you know it because it's right and it's true and it's honest and it's great. And you do the opposite thing because the idiot movie plot. I think Sandy got bored. <laughs> the OC got to him a little too hard and he got bored. Which is the same thing that he said uh, after he got the present from the law firm in season one. I got bored? Sandy got bored. Sandy got bored. <laughs> I hate when he talks in third person. Ryan, we have to take a break. But when we come back, awards? Uh, it's awards. I'm not, I know. <laughs> Are you sure, though? It's awards. Ryan. Yes, sir. What would you say the most magical music moment of this episode is? It's hard anytime there's a uh, bait shop show to go with anything but that. Anything but that. Uh, We have Rachel Yamagata, who is the star of the piano show, the piano ballad at the bar. And it's not just the fact that there's live music in the show, but it is the time that Alex and Marissa hold hands. So Mm. I will give it to that. Hmm. And do you know anything else about Rachel Yamagata? Yes. Her middle name is... She had great bangs? Sforsh. I just wanted any fun fact. That's the funnest of facts. That is also my magical music moment, because how could it be anything else? Do you have some sandied wisdom? I've got some Ryan wisdom. Yes, because Sandy's not fucking wise at all near this episode. Should Sandy wisdom as an award be canceled for a while? Probably. Should we just cut it? Yes. He's not being cool. Should it be... Wisdom? <laughs> the Wisdom Award? Or like Sandy Wisdom, like, I have sand all over me, and then we're like, oh, take a shower? Well, just like, have pour another one, Kirsten, has become pour another one, all of you alcoholics, so mm-hmm. whoever's the most alcoholic in an episode. So who is the smartest should get this award? Sandy Wisdom. It's not just who's the smartest, it's you're trying to impart your smarts. The only other thing that I have is that uh, he lets Rebecca know that if she stays in Newport for like another day, they'll she'll, fuck. She'll start saying red. That's all I have. So, what was your Ryan Sandy wisdom? Uh, my Ryan Sandy wisdom? You said you had one from Ryan. Oh, my Ryan Sandy wisdom yes. is we should cut Sandy I know that's wisdom. Also your name. Oh. That, no, I'm literally talking about me. Okay. I'm not talking about Ryan. I'm talking about Ryan. Okay. You got to differentiate the I pronunciation. Apologize. OCC. That's where I got my associates, and it's also Orange County Couture. Uh, my Orange Couture is, um, it's basically just Alex and Marissa, particularly at the bait shop. Yes. Because uh, she is wearing, Marissa's wearing a long pink scarf. Uh-huh. And a I think three long pink scarves. CBGB t-shirt. And she is, I have to assume, 
has never heard of CBGB. Right. Because it is Alex's shirt, but also in this time period, I remember I was a dickhead in this story I'm about to tell, and I'm aware of that. Uh, I saw a girl I tangentially knew in high school who had a bright pink CBGB tank top on. I was like, what's your favorite band that played there? Oh, she's like what guy. i was like you like the ramon she's like who i was like where'd you get that she's like target's like you probably shouldn't wear it anymore like i'm an asshole yeah that sucks cbgb would not let you into the club probably i'm an asshole yeah they'd be like go to max's kansas city but in the meantime she is talking to alex who has the one purple streak of hair mm-hmm. and then like the nashville like baby baseball shirt uh they're all of them are orange couture. None of us would know nashville is cool for 20 years after i know this, which has not yet happened but alex knew uh, your comics connection uh, is this almost like Sandy Wisdom? Should we retire it for a while? I mean, like, there's so much wild, uh, wildstorm talk. But the other thing, Mike, did you notice that uh, Doctor Stephen Lasser, the doctor that tells everyone that Caleb's gonna be fine, uh, also played, of course, medical examiner Meltzer on an episode of Agent Carter. Of course, I knew that. Of course, is it was a name- rhetorical question. The name is very close. Shared universe, probably. Yeah, Atwood's got an Atwood. Atwood's got an Atwood. There's a couple of things. Most This whole episode, all he's doing is stock Atwooding. Uh, yeah, we talked about a lot of the obvious ones, but what we didn't talk about is uh, Ryan is still doing the thing where um, Lindsay says, who else will be at the dinner? And he says, <laughs> and then she says, who? And then he does it again. Ryan is keeping the cough talk going longer than it should have been. Cough talk is the worst morning show. <laughs> Nobody can understand anything that's going on. Uh, my Atwood's going to Atwood is him telling Lindsay it's okay to break up because she needs to get closer with her piece of shit real dad she just found out about. He is, oh, is that a sword? I probably should fall on it for no reason. Yeah. Nobody, like, it's laying on the ground and nobody is touching it. But if it's there, I might as well run uh, can over Can you lift that up for a second? Yeah. I'm going to sprint at it. I just, I want it to be dramatic. Do you have a why don't you pour another one? I mean, this is a weird one because... Kirsten held a glass of wine at this very awkward dinner between her, Caleb, Lindsay, and Ryan, but I don't know if she took a drink. You would think that Kirsten would be pounding the wine at this dinner, but I think she was pretty good this episode. I think she pounds the wine when she's uncomfortable, and that she was delighted how uncomfortable Caleb was. Right. Because he was about to meet Zod, (laughs) and you know that's not going to go right for Caleb. Uh, and it was weird because he was to Zod, which is Ryan, uh, uh, bow, get on your knees before Zod, which is typically what he tells his family members. <laughs> Look, kneel before Zod, you're a, a dictator screaming at somebody, get on your knees before Zod is the creepiest thing. I thought you were going to have a new phrase for us. Like, kneel before Zod, die in front of God. No. <laughs> kneel before Don, <laughs> meet a guy named Ron. I do not want to watch the Snyder Cut where he says, get on your knees before Zod. It's disturbing. <laughs> hey, thanks, Holophonics. <laughs> like it's their fault. For supporting everything that they we just said. did the amazing music you've heard throughout this show. Uh, they're awesome. You should check them out on Spotify. Ryan, yeah. if these fucking pervs want more of us, what do they do? Uh, you just go to yourpotfilter.com and get all of the stuff that is me and Mike. And then uh, go to yourpotfilter.com slash Amazon. If you buy stuff, if you make that your new Amazon bookmark, it, it would really help us out. If you want to cut Mike and Ryan with some other voices, like you just want to dilute us a little. Like maybe <laughs> vodka rum is not your favorite cocktail. <laughs> it's my perfect mix. I'm more of a tequila whiskey man. Uh, you should check out the Superhero Hour Hour 
where we and our friend talk about every single comic book based television show of the week or movie of the year or us and another friend or somebody who screams at us that we're here for his friends talks about any given movie of any given year is that clear yeah i'm just i'm trying to think of other fucking like fucked up comic book cliches like uh like with great uh you know parental watching comes great get on your knees before zod i'm the best at what i do before zod Ryan, yeah. how can they get in touch with us? Uh, please, how can they tell us they want more of this? Please email us at contact at yourpopfilter.com uh, or give us a call at 1562-DRDJPOP, 1562-DRDJPOP. Leave him a message and we will listen to it and probably nothing more. If all of that sounds too old school and you're cool and hip, go to Twitter at yourpopfilter or Instagram at yourpopfilter to do all those same things. Do you want to know? What is coming next week? I didn't look what's next week, but I did look, and uh, Rainy Day Women is actually before Malpisode. All of that are those Golden Girls episodes. That's all gibberish. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking about Malpisode because I I just want to get to Rainy Day Women next week. I know it is October, but next week pretend it's February because on Valentine's Day, Sandy and Kirsten's conflict about Rebecca continues, and by that we mean starts it all. Ryan tries to make peace with Caleb in order to spend Valentine's Day with Lindsay. Meanwhile, Seth, Zach, and Summer head to San Diego and hope to make their comic book succeed. But it all falls apart when Seth has an emotional breakdown and ends up in a lonely state. Nebraska. (laughs) Marissa and Alex decide to take a step forward in their romantic relationship. Kind of lingus. And while Julie returns from a trip to Paris... And is baffled by what everybody is going through right now. Why didn't she watch along with us? No, she's dumb. Yeah. She she's would from understand. Riverside. Until then, wait, tune in next week. Until then, say good dads and get me those Green Lantern JPEGs. Ha ha, y'all. California, California.